0: morning. Happy to be here this morning, and it is good to see you again. Why don't we go to the Lord in a quick word of prayer as we get ready to hear his word. Lord, we pray that you would open up our hearts to hear your truth, that by your grace I would speak, speak your truth, let it, let it have its effect and its impact on our hearts and our minds this morning. May your name be honored, and it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. For this morning, we will look at the Gospel of John, Chapter 13, verse 21 through verse 30. That's John, Chapter 13, verse 21 through verse 30. It is a continuation of where we left off the last time I was with you, when we looked at chapter 13, verse 1 through verse 20. We'll be doing things just a little bit different this morning. While our anchor, our resting place will be John chapter 13, verse 21 through verse 30, we will also visit a few other passages in the other Gospels. So bear with me this morning as we do some flipping, if you have your pages, if you have your Bible with you, or some scrolling, uh, if you have your phones with you. My mission this morning is simple. My goal this morning is to bring to the forefront of your mind the sobering love of Jesus. My mission will be accomplished if You walk out this morning being reminded that there is no sin, there is no act of disobedience that is too much to overwhelm the love of Jesus for you. Up until now, Jesus has been vague in his announcement of how it was to die. Jesus has been... Vague about whose hands his death would come, but that is about to change, in some respect. And our pastors this morning, Jesus made known to his disciples that he would suffer the pain of betrayal, and the the betray—the betrayal—would come at the hands of one of the disciples. It is possible that in the previous occasions when Jesus made comment about the the uncleanness of one of the disciples or when he said earlier in John that one of them is a devil, it is possible that the twelve thought perhaps it's one of the other disciples and not one within the inner circle of Jesus. Remember, when Judas was being replaced in Acts chapter, I think it's chapter 1, the requirement was that the replacement had to be one who had been with Jesus from the very beginning. And so, there were disciples who were not part of the inner circle of the twelve. But here in our passage this morning, the vagueness would disappear to some extent. And so if you haven't, open your Bibles to John chapter 13, verse 21 through verse 30. There are three points or three items I'd like to showcase to us this morning within this text, this passage. One is the emotion of betrayal. Two is the reveal of the betrayer. And three, the sobering love of Jesus. The emotion of, of betrayal, the reveal of the betrayer, and the sobering love of Jesus.
1: Let's begin by reading verse 21 through verse 26.
0: After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified. Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of the disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple Leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot.
1: before us look at the emotion of betrayal.
0: After washing the feet of the disciples and instructing them, John observed that Jesus was troubled in his spirit. Jesus did not tell them that he was troubled, but it was so clear in his demeanor. It was clear in his appearance that it need not be spoken. A theologian and professor, Leon Morris, called it a deep emotional experience. You've ever been in a situation where perhaps you were mad at another person, but you didn't have to tell them because it was written all over your face. He had a weight of agony upon him. His heart was filled with pain. This was the same feeling he had at the tomb of Lazarus when he went and he saw Martha and Mary weeping. We're told that he was troubled in his spirit. Now, it is a mixture of compassion and pain. Compassion for the one who was about to betray him. Desiring that this certain person would turn away from his, would turn from his way of destruction. And pain. Pain because this betrayer is a close friend.
1: Let us not rush past this. Take it in. Feel it. This is the savior of humanity,
0: who is having a deeply emotional experience in front of his disciples. He is feeling the sting and pain of a betrayal. Even though he saw it coming, that did not prevent the pain. I know some of you have experienced what it's like to be betrayed and not see it coming.
1: It is a great pain that troubles the soul. Jesus can relate. From this troubled spirit, it
0: testified. From this troubled spirit, it made an emphatic Declaration, he pronounced that one of them, one of the 12, will betray him. No more proverbial sayings of one of you is unclean or one of you is a devil. It comes out, it testifies, he proclaims that without a doubt, a betrayer
1: is among the 12. For three years, he kept this to himself.
0: For three years, he looked his betrayer in the eyes. For three years, he kept his betrayer close. So you can understand the depth of the emotions, of the emotion that he is experiencing. And now, John shows us the reveal of the betrayer to the disciples. The disciples are shocked at what they had just heard from Jesus. Shocked that Jesus made an emphatic, without a doubt, statement. And not only did John say he testified, but his, the testimony was truly, truly, verily, verily, most assuredly. That woke them up and told them that this, it's a definite statement. So shocked at what they had just heard, they began to stare at one another, wondering what just happened. Pondering in their hearts who it could be. Could it be me? Was the
1: word on their lips and the words in their heart. But as we know by now, if there's a disciple who would, uh, who would move to break the ice,
0: it is Peter. Peter then gestured across the room to John, asking him to inquire on who the betrayer is in verse 24. But to understand what is happening right here, it's important to understand the sitting arrangement of this party. I brought a picture to show you on the screen to illustrate what this would have looked like this very night. The way the city was arranged was in the form of a U. At the top of the right line of the U, the head of the table on the right side will sit the second most important guest of the event. Behind that person is the host, which in this case, Is Jesus. And the way they sat, as you would see on the picture, is not as we would facing the table with our whole body. Instead, their body would face forward parallel to the table with their left arm leaning for support and their head on the chest of the person behind them if they were to lean back. This is the picture of the sitting arrangement. Now John was sitting at the second most important seat in the house, the first one at the head of the table. Peter was most likely at the head of the table on the opposite side of the sitting arrangement. And so Peter looks across the room, and looks across to John, and gives John a head nod. You know, John, get more details from us from Jesus, Uh, prod
1: for more information. Who could it be? And so John, he leans back, looks at Jesus, and asks him, Lord, who is it? Perhaps there was a tremor in his voice, afraid that it could be him. Jesus answers.
0: In verse 26, he answers and tells him in what, in what was most likely a private response. Uh, Jesus answers him, he gives him a response that the other disciples were most likely precluded from getting. Jesus, for the first time to any of his disciples, makes known who is it among them that is the traitor. He said to John, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it into the dish. This was a conversation between John and Jesus.
1: And so Jesus dips and he gives to Judas. Jesus dips and he gives to Judas. And now, family, And now,
0: friends, brothers and sisters, we witness the sobering love of Christ. What I really want to call this is the come-back love. You know, uh, the love that beckons you to come back home. There are different types of love that we show. There is the love you show because you appreciate the one you're loving. I call that the I appreciate you love. Uh, There is the love you show, but isn't perceived as love by the one, by the intended recipient of such love. That's called tough love. But then there is the love you show, desiring that the one being loved would
1: come back, that they would turn over to a new leaf. It is a love that
0: may end up up being in vain, but you do it anyways. It is a love that you hope that its power would make a difference. That's the love the prodigal son received when he ran back home. It's a sobering love. It is that come-back love That's the love we see Jesus show Judas throughout their time together. John doesn't tell us that he reported back to Peter what Jesus had told him. Perhaps John was in shock. Perhaps John couldn't believe what his eyes had just seen. Remember, I said John was sitting at the head of the table the second most important guest in the house well Judas was most likely sitting in the most important seat in the house right behind Jesus if Jesus was to lean back it would lean on the chest of Judas
1: That's why it was easy for him to dip and give to Judas. Do you feel the weight of the shock? If Jesus needed comfort, if Jesus needed to take a quick rest, it would be on the chest of his betrayer. This is the love of our Savior.
0: No matter how despicable you feel this morning, no matter how far you feel from Jesus, no matter how undeserving you believe that you are, no matter how much of a hypocrite you think yourself to be, no matter how sinful you see yourself, Jesus is waiting to embrace you. Jesus has not turned his face away from you. Jesus
1: does not look down on you. Embrace his comeback love. But who is Judas? I'm glad you asked.
0: Who is this man experiencing the comeback love of Christ? For starters, Judas was not a Galilean. And he appears to be the only one of all the disciples who was not a Galilean. And the fact that he was not a Galilean perhaps means he was of a different class from the other disciples. You remember early in John chapter 1, when one of the, or John chapter 2 when one of the disciples asked a question or made a comment and said, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, Nazareth was in Galilee. Lazarus is in the lower region of Galilee. Some scholars speculate that Judas was more educated and of, of a higher social standing than the other disciples. But what is most important about who Judas is is that he was a man loved by our Savior. Jesus was fully aware of Judas' disposition and what Judas would end up doing. But he still pursued him with a love that has no bounds. He looked his betrayer in the eyes and desired that he would turn aside from his ways. You see, brothers and sisters, Jesus isn't intimidated by your sins. He's well aware of your ways. Even for sins you have yet to confess, or sins that no one else knows about but you, Jesus is aware and loves you still. As we look at Judas, uh, this becomes even more clear. Although Judas was to betray Jesus, like you and I, it was a full participant in the work of God. Look with me in Luke chapter 9, verse
1: 1 through verse 2. Luke chapter 9, verse 1 and verse 2. And he called the twelve together and gave them power
0: and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal." We see here that it is possible to engage in the things of God and our heart be filled with all manner of evil. Judas did all that we would consider to be indicative of a genuine believer. Judah did all that we would consider to be indicative of one who professed Christ. He proclaimed that the good news of of God, he actually cured people of the diseases and of their illnesses.
1: He exercised power over the demons. I propose
0: to you this morning that this, is an act of love by our Savior. He gave to Judas his very own gifts, even though Judas would stab him in the back.
1: Would you do that? Would you give your very best to the very worst? Would you give your most prized possession to the one who is about to bring about your destruction. Jesus did.
0: Are you experiencing the blessings and the gifts of God, but living a life outside of him? Are you enjoying his providence, but have no plans to enjoy his words? His gifts are an expression of his love, to you. Uh, They are a plea for you to come back. They are a cry for you to see with clear eyes that the one who has given gifts to you wants you to embrace the most important gift, uh, the best gift of all, which is himself. Judas enjoyed the gifts, but not the giver. Not only did Judas participate in the gifts of Jesus, but he also stole the gifts of people. Look with me in John chapter 12, verse 1 through
1: verse 6. John chapter
0: 12, verse 1 through verse 6. Six days before the Passover, But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Judas was most likely a trusted disciple. He was in charge of the money bag. Jesus, nor the disciples worked very much, so the source of income was most likely from donations. People working hard and donating their money to the work of ministry. Judas was a thief. He stole from Jesus for three years. It was It was methodical in his stealing because the disciples did not suspect him of doing that. But what was behind his stealing? What was behind his theory? theory? It is a love for things of this world. It is a love for things of this life over God himself. It is exactly what Paul said of Demas in Second Timothy chapter four verse nine. The very sad statement that John, that Paul uttered when he said, "For Demas, in love with the present world, has deserted me." You and I may not steal from nonprofit organizations, but have we loved our sins? Have we loved our possessions? Have we loved our life more than God Himself? Jesus was aware of Judas's delivery. Uh, not for one second did Judas steal without God being aware. Jesus knew what was happening. And yet, it kept him still in
1: charge of the money bag. That is that comeback love.
0: No sin is eaten from the face of our Savior. It uh, sees the darkest part of your heart, yet it doesn't rain down judgment and condemnation. He's raining down patience and kindness. So you may turn and walk in light. Now, this is what Paul meant in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, when he said, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance, and patience, not knowing that the kindness of our God is meant to lead you to repentance. That's that sobering love, the love that endures so the one being loved may be
1: restored. This is Judas, like you and I, a hypocrite a thief, a manipulator, a liar, a betrayer. Yet after all of this,
0: yet in spite of all of this, Jesus honors him at his last supper. Jesus gave him a seat of honor in the midst of the rest of the disciples. Jesus washed the feet of Judas. Jesus gave him a gesture of friendship. When the host of a party dips and gives to the guest, it is a gesture of honor. It is a gesture of friendship.
1: Perhaps it is one last call to Judas.
0: Perhaps it is one last beckon to come back. Theologian D.A. Carson called it a final gesture of supreme love. It's that sobering love. It's that come back love. Judas took the piece of bread, but not the love of Christ. Uh, John continues in verse 27 through verse thirty in John chapter 13. Uh, John wrote that then after he had taken the, the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, what you are going to do, do quickly. Now, no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, "Buy what we need for the feast," or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. Perhaps, indeed, it was night on this very day,
1: but it was also a dark day in the heart of Judas. In his soul is darkness. No
0: more opportunities for the light to shine bright. He has rejected the light and is now embracing the dark. Darkness reigns in his heart. He's stepping out to carry out his very act, his last very act of wickedness. He has given himself, as Paul warned us in Romans, over to be an instrument of the evil one. And you know, friends, it is sad to read what became of Judas. In spite of all his love, it is sad to read what became of him. Read with me one last time in Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27, we'll look at verse 3 and verse 5.
1: Then when Judas, his betrayer,
0: saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, what is that to us? Sit to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed, and he went and hanged himself.
1: What a sad end to his life. I lay before you this morning,
0: that this is what happens when we are overwhelmed with shame. When we buried ourselves in repetitive
1: sins and sins of various kinds, we can feel a sense of no return. But I proclaim to you this morning that there is always
0: a sense of return. There is no amount of sin that is beyond confession. There is no type of sin that is beyond repentance. The sobering love of Christ beckons you to come back. The comeback love of Christ reaches to you and desires your confession. Judas, like Iithafel that we read earlier in the scripture reading, shows shame over confession. Ahithophel betrayed his king. He was a, a counselor to David. But when Absalom took over, Ahithophel switched sides and gave counsel on how to kill David. But when the plan foiled, rather than perhaps confess, he went home and hung himself. Judas betrayed his king, and he
1: realized it, He went home, or went out, and hung himself. In Christ, there is no shame.
0: Do you believe that? That in Christ, there is no shame. I know this can be a point of struggle. I struggle with it. But you must believe that, because without it, you may end up like Judas. The same love that reaches, that reaches out through the giving of gifts, the same love that reaches out through patience in our disobedience, has made a way for us to be forgiven. We may live like Judas
1: but we don't have to die like him. If you don't belong to Jesus this morning, let today be your day of repentance.
0: And if you do belong to him, let today be your day of confession. a Confession to your Lord and confession to those you trust. Embrace is sobering love this morning. And when you've done that, once you've done that, show that sobering love
1: to others, to those around you. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord. that we can see, even in
0: the darkest moments of your life, we can see that your love shines even brighter. Help us not to be overwhelmed as Judas with shame, but to know that we can come to you
1: and confess. And for those who don't belong, that we can come to you and repent, turning over to a new leaf. We may live like Judas, Lord, being a thief, being a betrayer, being a liar,
0: being a manipulator, loving the things of this life more than loving you. But we pray, Lord, that by your grace,
1: by your strength, we would not die like Judas. In the name of Christ, there we pray. Amen.